Hi, I'm Dominic Insinius, leader of The Heart. I want to welcome you to The Heart Podcast. Thank you for letting us be a small part in your journey of faith. I hope this message today encourages you and strengthens you. Big things can happen when we expect God to move, so I pray today that God would speak to you through this message. Um, I am Candice MacArthur. I am, I'm going to be honest, I don't go here. Um, I am neighbors with Dom and Amber, and over time, they've been good neighbors to me, and Corbin, I'm his neighbor too, and um, I've asked them to mow my grass, we've shared trash cans, it's been a whole thing, um, and now they've asked me to talk at their church, so it's a weird thing. I don't know if that's to do with all of their neighbors, but here I am. Um, and I wanted to be honest with you guys before we jump in today and finish up this summer at the movie series. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. So several months ago, I visited the heart for the first time. And immediately after leaving service, I put my two kids in my car and we drove to the outlet mall and I bought my first pair of Vans. True story. They're, I'm wearing them right now. They're a little white. Don't judge me. I'm going to rub them in dirt later, whatever. But like, I just, that has nothing to do with anything I'm talking about this morning. I just wanted to get that off my chest. I felt like I was being inauthentic to show up in the vans. It's not, you know, whatever. Um, okay, yes. <laughs> so this is the last uh, morning that y'all are going to spend in the summer at the movie series, going over heroin, what it looks like to see women in leadership and empowerment. And um, I, I'm probably a little biased because I'm a woman, but I think it's actually a big win-win for all of us if we look at and focus on what the work would mean to empower women. It is a win-win. When women are empowered, it will always lead to more goodness, to more honesty, to more beauty, to more wholeness, to more recovery, and definitely to more peace. Um, and this morning, the movie that we're going to focus on and talk about is Moana. Hopefully you've seen it. If you're like me, I've seen it 437 times since it released five years ago. Thank you, Gray and Owen. Um, but general idea of the movie, if you didn't get to watch it yesterday here at the heart, or if you haven't seen it like I have a thousand times, this is basically a story of a girl who saves and rescues her people. That's really what this is about. But her journey in doing that and all the conflict and struggle that ensues. And um, as we walk through how we're going to walk through this this morning, we're going to do old school compare contrast. If you guys remember those essays you had to write like in fourth grade, Mrs. Kozak is going to be really proud of me because I remembered we're pulling this in. This is what we're doing. And I'm actually going to start with my conclusion. Um, so if you want to like tune out after this, you're good. You've heard the main point. You can just get coffee, whatever. But here's the main point. If you walk away with nothing else this morning, this is what I want you to walk away with. Okay. We can empower ourselves by choosing peacemaking rather than peacekeeping. That's what we're going to unfold and talk through and process this morning, using Moana as our guide and um, some stories and, and um, events that happened and unfolded in Jesus' life. Um, so a couple years ago, this was Christmas time, and um, every year I have a grandmother who makes a lot of cookies, like hundreds of cookies. And I'm really embarrassed to say this out loud, but these cookies are terrible. And I'm really grateful she doesn't know about YouTube or anything like that, so she can never see this ever, ever, ever. But um, y'all, they're really bad. And I'm not a baker, like I'm not here saying I make good cookies, but these taste like cardboard, okay? But she makes hundreds of these things. And every year we show up as a family to Christmas, and what does she do? She packages those gallon-sized Ziploc bags with like our portion of the hundreds of cookies for us to take home. And she brings out like a platter, right? And she's like, enjoy the cookies. And so we all like take bites and I'm like stuffing it in a napkin underneath because they're that bad, y'all. I feel so bad. Pray for me. But like, 
So whatever, it's fine. I get my bag of cookies, we take them home, and what do I do every year? I throw them in the trash can. No big deal. I'm a liar, but it's fine. Thank you, Grandma, for the cookies, okay? Which was working out really well for me until last year, my four-year-old at the time, I did not know, found the bag of cookies in the trash can. If you're a mom, you know how you like will secretly hide stuff, like their art projects and stuff? Sorry, kids, we throw some things away. I didn't do that with the cookies that year, unfortunately. And I found out that he found the bag of cookies because we were at my grandparents' house for dinner, and he said, hey, I don't know why, but I saw all of our cookies in the trash can, Grandma. Can you make me some more? <laughs> I did not recover. It was terrible. I have no, like, silver lining to the story. It just was awful. And um, I'm not highlighting that that's how you should handle family dynamics or conflict by any way, shape, or form. I'm a therapist. That does not mean that I'm, I'm not modeling healthy behavior there. But what I'm trying to show you is that that's what peacekeeping is. I was stashing and throwing away hundreds of cookies every year in order to make, make my grandmother think that I was happy and it was good. There was no peacemaking happening in that relationship. Um, this is not how we create and make peace in our lives. We will not create peace by throwing away hundreds of cookies secretly and then feeling like terrible people when we interact with our grandmother every Christmas, right? Um, and let me tell you this. That's a silly picture of what I'm going to kind of be talking about today, but I think this is a song and dance that a lot of us do in a lot of big and small ways in our lives. Um, we will forego the work of peacekeeping, peacemaking, excuse me, and settle for peacekeeping. And then we wonder why we feel disempowered or powerless or unsteady or unhealthy or uncertain or um, pick your word, unhealthy, disengaged in our own lives. And I think this is one of the main reasons because we are living in a way in which we're not showing up as ourselves anymore. And this is the story of Moana, okay? This is what she does and what we see. So let me just give you a little bit of background. Um, Moana's land, like she lives on an island, it's, it's struggling, it's, the plants are dying, there's no more coconuts, the fish are gone, it's bad. And for reasons I'm not gonna get into this morning, go watch the movie, um, but it's really bad, and her father is the chief, and he's like, we're gonna fix it this way. We're going to plant more coconut trees, we're not gonna sail beyond the reef, we're gonna stay safe, don't go anywhere, be cautious, right? He's very careful. This is the way we've done it, and this is the way we're always gonna do it. But Moana begins to see things very differently. She knows we can't keep repeating the same things over and over again and expecting different things, right? She knows that to do and heal the land, she's gonna have to restore the heart of Tafiti, which if that means mumbo jumbo to you, again, go watch the movie. But that's what you gotta do. You had to restore the heart of Tafiti. And she had to venture out beyond the reef, which was like leaving safety, and go out into the ocean and do this really big, grand, scary thing. So what we see happen is this conflict ensues between her father and herself. He wants her to stay safe. He wants her to do it her way. And she's like, I can't. I can't be the chief of the people the way you want me to be the chief of the people. And here's the thing. We actually see Moana attempt to follow in her father's footsteps. We see her try. She puts on the headdress. She does all the things, whatever. Um, but there's this crucial moment in the movie where she decides, like, she can't do it. The ocean is calling her. Right? She has this intuition that's coming up within her. This courage starts to surface that there's something better and different and deeper that she has to do. And so she does it. And Moana made the choice to intentionally disappoint her father 
in the pursuit of peacemaking. And as a result, this becomes the vessel of her own empowerment. She had to intentionally disappoint her father. And I want to take a minute right there because this is, this is kind of the first point that we're going to talk about this morning. Um, Moana becomes the leader and the chief and the rescue of her people that she is intended and meant to become, but it only comes out of a decision she made to disappoint her father in a deliberate and intentional way. She had to make a really hard choice. She disappointed her father. She let her mother down. And I don't know about you guys, but honestly, like, I live my life. I have lived my life in such a way where I like to avoid disappointing anybody. Like, my barista, I don't care if you make my coffee bad. You're wonderful. Thank you. I'm not disappointed at all, right? Like, I don't want to disappoint a single person, okay? And if Moana had done the same thing, right? Like, let's just play it out. She, she stays there, whatever. We wouldn't even have the movie. We wouldn't even be standing here, right? Like, we would just have nothing because it'd be a mediocre life where she stays at home and plants coconuts and they just do this thing, song, song and dance every year, right? And so I'm, I'm gonna, I created, the tech team, who's incredible, created a table. We're gonna pull that up right now. And here's your compare contrast. So in peacekeeping, you will avoid disappointment. But in peacemaking, we will look for ways where we have to intentionally disappoint. We have to intentionally disappoint people or systems or cultures or beliefs or even the status quo if we are going to become peacemakers and see greater and deeper empowerment in our own lives. And I'm going to be honest. In my life, this has looked like disappointing churches that I worked for, was a part of. This has looked like disappointing family members. This has looked like disappointing employers when I had to leave a job that I know I couldn't stay in anymore. Um, this has also looked like me choosing to be more honest and direct with what I'm thinking and feeling and disappointing or letting people down of what the expectations they had of me were. And let me tell you this, the work of intentionally disappointing someone that you love or you've been with or you work for or you, you know, you ascribe to their what, whatever, their beliefs or anything like that is hard work. And I'm not here to say that like those were the most wonderful days of my life. Those are some of the darkest days of my life. But coming out of the other side of that, I can tell you it's 100% worth it to do the work of intentionally disappointing the people that you have to in order to make more peace, in order to be more empowered. Okay, we're going to look at um, the, uh, a story and an event that unfolds in the life of Jesus. And if you don't know about this story, it's leading up to his death. Um, he comes into the city of Jerusalem, and it's in Luke. We're going to look at Luke 19. Um, if you want to go there, whatever, just look at it on the screen. Um, essentially, Jesus is entering into the city, and he comes in riding a donkey, which I'm going to come back to in just a second. Um, and the Israelites, the people of God who have been waiting for this rescuer, um, are like super excited. They welcome him. They have olive branches. They have, they lay their coats down. It's like this whole like, their king is here. He's coming. He's here. So let's read a little snippet of this. It's verses 37 through 38. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Just a quick little background. The Israelites had been the most oppressed people group for hundreds and hundreds of years. They had been enslaved. They had been not well, and they had a promised king. Someone was going to come and rescue them and get them out of this mess and free them, and they were going to get their power back and their peace back and their life back. They had been waiting for hundreds of years, and then we see this man Jesus come on the scene claiming to be that guy claiming to be the king they had been waiting for, right? And so, like, here he comes into the city. 
He's coming. He's going to take the throne, okay? Um, and we're going to fast forward to Luke 24. So this is following, uh, this is after Jesus' death. Um, and this is a group of his disciples, and his disciples were the people that were closest to him, were with him all the time. And this is what a few of them were saying to each other. Luke 24, starting in verse 15. This is a little long, so just bear with me. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. Jesus rose from the dead. That's a whole other thing. We can talk about that later. But, but they um, were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what were you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still on their faces downcast, a.k.a. disappointment. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. There's this in-between space where his disciples were deeply disappointed because Jesus died. He did not redeem them like he, they, they expected him to be. He did not come in, swoop in, take over Rome, lower the tax rate, and give them their power back. He didn't do that. He died. Jesus came to bring a different kind of peace that his people did not even know they needed or wanted. He came on a donkey. He did not come on a horse with a sword ready to wage war. He came as a humble servant, giving his life over for his people. And this was a disappointment, at least initially to his disciples, the very people he was claiming to save. Those few days in between, I can't imagine what they were feeling. As Jesus took the step of intentionally disappointing his people in order to make real peace, he helped us bypass that inauthentic, watered-down peace that they would have had if he would have just become a king, set up a better government, right? That would have not been the true peace that we all needed. And so in our lives, we can actually ask the same question. Where are the places where I'm keeping the peace? all the while disconnecting from what I know I need to be or what I need to do. Where are you keeping the peace? Are there family members or organizations or systems or cultures that you might need to consider what it looks like to intentionally disappoint, to let them down, to disrupt the status quo in your life or our culture's life, foregoing peacekeeping and taking steps towards peacemaking, and in return, finding a deeper sense of empowerment in your own life? Okay, that's the first thing on our table. So in peacekeeping, we will avoid disappointment, and in peacemaking, we will intentionally disappoint. That's a fun conversation to have at lunch with your friends. Um, okay, second thing on our table is um, in peacekeeping, we are going to build resentment versus in peacemaking, we are going to create congruence. In spaces where we feel less empowered or disempowered, um, here's what I tend to find. Um, we will do and say things that go against who we are or what we know we should do. We will say yes when we, may, when we mean no. We will stay when we should leave. We will quit when we should stay. And we will live in this incongruent, misaligned space over and over and over again. And we see this play out in the story of Moana. She wrestles with this in one of her songs in the movie that I will not be singing for you this morning. Um, yeah, no. Um, she, I'm going to read the, the verse. I can lead with pride. I can make us strong. I'll be satisfied if I play along. But the voice inside sings a different song. What is wrong with me? 
How many times have you lived in spaces where you were like, there's something wrong with me, but it's not it's wrong with you. It's that this is just not working. This is not aligned. This is not congruent. She could have played along. She could have just sucked it up and been the chief that her dad wanted her to be. She could have just followed the rules and done what she was supposed to do, the, the way everybody expected her to do it. But she couldn't. She couldn't live in that incongruence anymore. She had to line up. In my counseling practice with clients, I will ask this question oftentimes, where have you been giving a resentful yes? It's a really important question to ask yourself. Where have you said yes in order to keep other people happy, but in doing so you are diminishing, disconnecting, or dismissing yourself in the process? Um, I talk a lot about brick walls. We will build brick walls in our lives, and one of the brick walls that we can build is walls of resentment. And what that does is it separates ourselves from other people and from yourself, right? And so sometimes when we give a resentful yes, think about it as like you're laying a brick in that wall of resentment. And that is not going to lead you to empowerment. You're going to feel stuck and shameful and disconnected. But in peacemaking, rather, we create congruence. Congruence means agreement. So my insides line up with my outsides. It is an agreement fully. Where the song, like Moana says, that she's singing inside matches the song she's going to sing outside. In Matthew 5.37, this is a quick little word from Jesus that I think sometimes we've taken to mean other things. But he just says, let your yes mean yes and your no mean no. And I think we've been told, like, this is a verse about keep your promises um, which is nice and fine, but I want to suggest a different kind of interpretation of this verse today. And rather than just keeping your promises, maybe it means take some time before you say yes to something. Give your, like, let your yes have meaning and purpose and power in your life. Don't give half-hearted, resentful yeses. And if you have found that you've given a half-hearted or resentful yes in your life, do the work to correct it. Does that make sense? Like we have to think about how we are giving or saying yes to something or agreeing to something that misaligns internally. We will be more empowered. This is a promise I'm going to make you, which is very bold, I know. We will be more empowered when we, make, when we make decisions that lead us to places of congruence and integrity. Always. Take it to the bank, I promise. It's when we feel disconnected or incongruent that leads us to places of shame and inauthenticity, not being genuine, disconnected, disempowered. And that's the space that we're trying to, to work around and work through as a community today. Okay, so the last thing on our table, and you guys are really sad that we're ending this really amazing compare contrast that you guys can go home and write an essay on later. Um, in order to empower ourselves through the art of peacemaking, we must consider the long term rather than just focusing on the short term. Um, Moana was not thinking about the village and her friend and her island today, right? She was thinking about considering how this is going to play out in the long run. She knew that just planting coconut trees and following the rules was only going to perpetuate the problem. She was going to be dealing with this forever and ever. And so she knew she had to, like I said, return the heart of Tafiti, which is a whole thing. Um, and it was way harder. She did the harder thing. She thought about long term. She thought about future Moana, if you will future her people in her island and said, I can't keep doing this. Because of her commitment and her consideration of future versions of herself and her people, she literally brought and made peace for her tribe and her village and her life and her family. And what happened as a result of that was healing and restoration and recovery and peace. That was the result of her work. 
this type of thinking, right, considering short-term versus looking at and considering the long-term plays out in really big and really small ways. So when my daughter was little, um, let's just say that sleeping was not her strength. This was not, it was terrible. Um, I don't think I slept for a year of my life. Um, and I was a first-time mom and I had no idea what I was doing and read every single book known to man, and they all said different things to do. And I was like, I'm just screwing this kid up. This is all, it's not going well. So about six months in, I'll never forget the one night I was walking into a room for like the 29th time to find her pacifier. You know how you do that quiet, like searching thing so they don't find you, you know? And I walked in, I was looking for it, and I noticed she found her thumb. And it was this moment that looking back, 25-year-old Candace, who had not slept in six months, was like, oh my gosh, thank God, sleep. Self-soothe, do your thing, I don't care, good night, I'll see you in the morning. Now, Candace was not thinking about Candace now at 33, who is an eight-year-old, where we have to deal with braces and expanders and breaking like one of the hardest habits known to man and you know nasty nail polishes and things like that, where I'm like bribing my kid to get her ears pierced to stop sucking her thumb. Um, it worked, by the way, but um, I just wanted to sleep. I just wanted to sleep. I was only thinking about, and rightfully so, I'm not shaming past Candace, but like, I just wanted to sleep. I was not thinking in any way, shape, or form about what this decision in that moment was going to do for future versions of myself and my daughter. I wanted and only focused on the short term, no matter the cost. But in order to find true empowerment, we have to consider the long term in the future. We have to look at what we can do now to make peace for ourselves and our peoples and our communities then. This might mean we engage more fully in our lives today. It might mean you quit a job, right? It might mean you start that business. It might mean that you end that relationship or that you move to that city or you advocate for a people group that are oppressed or you just tell somebody no. This is how we empower ourselves. We have to consider future versions of ourselves. I do this thing in therapy a lot. Where I'm like, okay, what decision can you make today for future Candace that's kind? What's a kind decision for future self? It's a silly way to think about it, but I think it oftentimes about the crock pot. When I make a crock pot meal, I'm like, that is so nice of past Candace to do that for future Candace. <laughs> she's so thankful because <laughs> she's tired and doesn't want to cook anything. I'm going to end with this, this quick blessing from Jesus, and it says this. Um, it's found in his Sermon on the Mount, which is just a, gosh, there's so much wisdom in it, but he says this in Matthew 5, 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. And I'm not a Bible scholar. I'm going to be honest with you there. I don't, but I think it's kind of interesting to point out that it says blessed are the peacemakers, not blessed are the peacekeepers, and that all the people that did all the work to translate all the things of the Bible, they came up with, the idea is peacemaking here, not peacekeeping. And that this is the work that we are invited to do as children of God. And let me say this, as a human, you are called to this work. So like I said in the beginning, we can empower ourselves by choosing peacemaking rather than settling for peacekeeping. And let me just encourage you guys as a community. Maybe this is your first day and you're like, I don't know as a community. Well, you are. Welcome. You're in a community. Um, as a community... You can encourage and foster the empowerment by doing the hard work of peacemaking in your relationships rather than peacekeeping. In your homes and in your families, you can cultivate and, and encourage one another's empowerment by doing the work of making peace with one another rather than just keeping peace. 
Yes, over the last four weeks, we've focused on what it means for the lives of women and what empowerment can look like and the different struggles and barriers that come with that. But I remind you that like an empowerment of women's work, excuse me, empowerment of women is not a women's work, it's human work. This is an internal job that we all commit to and it's worth the work. I'm gonna end with a quote from a book um, by Glennon Doyle, it's called Untamed, and before you go buy it, please come to me for some disclaimers. Just don't go buy it right now. Um, or buy it, whatever, you're your own person. Um, I'm gonna read this, okay. The blueprint, blueprints of heaven are etched in the deep desires of women. Think of desires as that thing, that deeper calling like Moana knew, right? That she had to go and had to disappoint people for and she had to disrupt her life and she had to create congruence, right? That was her connecting to her desire. What women want is good, what women want is beautiful, and what women want is dangerous, but not to women, not to the common good. What women want is a threat to the injustice of the status quo. If we unlocked and unleashed ourselves, imbalanced relationships would be equalized. Children would be fed, corrupt governments would topple, world wars would end, civilizations would be transformed. If women trusted and claimed their desires, the world as we know it would crumble. And perhaps this is precisely what needs to happen so we can rebuild truer, more beautiful lives, relationships, families, and nations in their place. Guys, this is why empowerment matters. This is why this conversation is even being had in the first place. Because um, in empowerment brings flourishing. It's a guarantee. If you do the work of empowerment, if this community commits to the work of empowering yourself and then one another, it will result in flourishing. We saw it with Moana and the land and how it all grew back and it was this beautiful thing. We saw it in the we see it in and out through the life of Jesus. He was quite possibly the most empowered person that's ever walked the planet. He knew exactly who he was and who he wasn't and what he was there to do and what that would cost. So listen, the result of empowerment is always flourishing. And so as we conclude today, maybe just start thinking about what are the ways in which I can do the work of peacemaking more in my life instead of settling for peacekeeping? What decision might you need to make that might intentionally disappoint some people that you love or yourself or your boss? What, um, how, might you need, how might you move to a place of congruence in your life rather than building resentment? Where's the misalignment? Where are you saying yes when your insides are screaming no? What honest conversations might you need to have, maybe with yourself first, in order to move closer towards peacemaking? And then finally, what would it look like for you to consider future versions of yourself, and what decisions might you make differently today in light of knowing that? I'm going to pray, and then we'll wrap up. God, thank you so much that you showed us what it meant to be an empowered person through the life of Jesus. Thank you that you were okay with intentionally disappointing and letting us down in certain ways for a greater, more fulfilling, more everlasting peace. I thank you for this community. I ask that you would give them insight into their lives and the ways in which they um, might be keeping the peace right now and that you would give them the, the courage and the authenticity and the, um, the space to move closer towards peacemaking. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks for listening to The Heart Podcast. At The Heart, our mission and goal is to connect people to the heart of God. If you would like to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, please visit us at www.theheart.church for more information. If today's message connected with you, we want to invite you to share it with someone who might benefit from it. And if you live near San Marcos, Texas, we'd like to invite you to visit us this Sunday morning 
but we have two experiences for you to choose from at 9.30 and 11 a.m. all happening at the Spot Cinema House and Eatery. Remember to be bold this week and connect with those around you. It's how our relationships grow and how your faith grows.